0: Well, good morning again, Christ City Church. I am grateful to be here and the invitation of your pastor uh, to share a word with you. So let's dig right into the word this morning and notice what we notice for ourselves, for our community and our world. But before I do that, I wanna tell you a story, which is not so surprising that the preacher has a story. And this one is pretty personal. I know we just met, but here we go. It was spring of 2013, I was living in Boston, having not so gracefully left working in higher education, and I was working part-time at a church after school center before I began seminary in the fall, and I was itching. And I don't mean itching with anticipation. I mean like I was physically itchy, like it kept getting worse itchy, like it was my entire body covered in hives. And I hadn't, like, changed soaps or detergents or anything like that. So I went to the doctor, and I assumed that I would have different tests involved. I'd be told I was allergic to something that I couldn't eat. So this doctor I had had been my doctor for a while, and in about 2.5 seconds, walking into the exam room, he says, well, Sandra, this is obvious. These are stress hives. And I was solidly perplexed. And I said, why, whatever do you mean? I don't feel stressed. And he said, that's the problem. You aren't feeling it. So your body is doing it for you. I'll give you a round of steroids. But until you deal with everything you have going on, your body is going to tell you how you're actually doing. You aren't feeling it. So your body is doing it for you. That was a turning point for me because, you see, I'm really good at pretending as if I don't have emotions. And I've been that way my entire life, some of it nature, some of it nurture. I like to know things more than feel things. But as my very itchy body taught me, I had to do something different with the stress in my life. So I did exactly what one should do when one is told that one has stress hives with no other solution, I committed myself to fully study the anatomy and physiology and neurobiology of the body. You know, like you do. So from there, I learned all of this fascinating stuff about how we are wired, how we are created by God to be people. Because of this, whenever I sit down with scripture now, I'm always wondering about the stress, about the grief, about the experience of the people in the story. And today's reading, although short, is a good one. So first, let's start with Mark in general, so we know our setting. This short gospel basically reads like someone really stressed for time. Some version of the word immediately in Mark's gospel happens 39 times. If you sit down and read the book of Mark from beginning to end, it almost sounds like No offense, an elementary school kid telling you about Roblox or Minecraft or really any story, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then, then. (sighs) Mark can get kind of exhausting to read. So the lectionary reading for today is interestingly a segue passage and a conclusion passage. It entirely skips over the feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus walking on water. And now often I prefer to to preach and to look at a big chunk of scripture to uncover a deeper story, but because of the way the lectionary was positioned, I noticed something I'd never noticed before. In today's scripture, we are right after John the Baptist gets beheaded, and right before Jesus feeds the 5,000. The disciples are talking a mile a minute, and somehow they've forgotten to eat, I'm sure you've been there. You're so engrossed with an activity that you lose kind of sense of time in your body and you forget to eat. I will admit that that has not happened so often for me during the pandemic, but that's okay. So God incarnate in this moment tells his stressed out beloveds, it's nap time. Get your snacks, everyone. This is a powerful response to stress. Here is a community fired up and wired up about all the things happening, the miracles, the teachings, the healings, and their leader says, that's great. Get your blankie. How often do we, do you, respond to high tension, high stress moments like Jesus in this passage? My guess is not as often as you would like. But this is where our God created selves come into play. We are wired to address stress. The base part of our brain, if I were to use my hand, is our brainstem, constantly scanning our environment to assess if we're safe. This part of our brain we call the survival brain. We're only able to get up to our midbrain, our emotional brain, where we then ask the question Am I loved? We cannot feel love if we are not safe. Now the third section of our brain is the thinking brain, the prefrontal cortex, the part of my brain that I like to claim is always uh, in charge as a rational, thoughtful person. But here's the thing about our beautifully created brains. If our stress response is activated, if anything makes us uncertain if we're loved or safe, our thinking brain goes offline. It doesn't process anything. All our bodies are searching for is for that sense of love and safety again. As a new mom, I am viscerally aware of this reality. My mammalian self is activated when my baby is not okay. I cannot access my frontal lobe. I, I am not safe because my baby's not safe. And in fact, I started using the word fire when I I am aware of my frontal lobe going off. And that's a signal to my husband that there is no rationalizing with me. Just give me the baby because my whole body feels like it's on fire. God was up to something, making this brain machine because we get really good at responding in the same way to the same stimuli if it works to help us regain that sense of safety and love. So there's this phrase, what wires together, what fires together, wires together. So the more we do something, the faster we become better at getting back to being okay. The bad news is that we can wire together really maladaptive strategies for addressing stress. I'm sure we can all name the things that we do think or say in times of stress that are less than our best selves. But it's because we're questioning our safety and our love. The good news is that we are also created by God to rewire ourselves, literally. We always have the ability, the neuroplasticity to reset, to begin again, to learn and enact new ways to respond to stress. God created in us the ability to find resurrection and new life every day. I don't know about you, but that is some good news. Jesus today is calling us to rest. Jesus' cousin and friend was beheaded. He knew a crowd awaited him. He could have done what most of us usually do and kept going and going and going and going. I praise God that he didn't. I praise God that Jesus chose to rest. Imagine how much shorter Jesus's ministry might have been if he didn't care for himself. Now, I don't know all of the details of Jesus's self-care routine. And quite honestly, the language we have in our culture today about self-care gets on my nerves. Because somehow the basics of human wellness and joy have all become commodities. Have you noticed how a lot of things categorized as self-care cost a lot of money? We have somehow let our society privilege those with financial means to care for themselves in ways that those without financial means cannot. And now that whole system of oppression is a sermon for another day. But today, I invite you to reflect on what modes of healthy and life-giving self-care do you engage with during times of stress? Because here's the thing. Our divine stress response system is designed to ebb and flow to have times where it's activated and times where it's off, right? Like if you're in the wilderness and a bear comes up, you're gonna respond to the bear, but usually the bear doesn't come home with you. But stress in our world today is like the bear that has come home. The stress of this pandemic is real and sustained and everywhere and, on top, and that's on top of the stress that we already had. The stress of racism continues, the stress of inequality continues, the stress of the dishes continue. Jesus models for us that it isn't just about self-care, but it's also about spirituality. What we need to ensure that we have in our lives as a response to stress is Sabbath. Intentionally creating space, whatever space we can, to simply be with God in the presence of the moment. We need to wire together Sabbath so that we can fire on God's behalf together. After Jesus feeds the crowd, Mark's account then goes on to Jesus walking on water but his walk gets interrupted by the disciples. It's a whole funny scene. And I love imagining that Jesus was just trying to take time to be on the water, to restore himself after the miracle. Jesus was constantly acting out healthy ways to manage stress. And considering how much of a rush it feels like to read Mark's gospel, it's interesting that this rhythm of serve and Sabbath is repeatedly shared. Just like self care, this idea of Sabbath is also getting co opted by people trying to sell you something. We have this notion in our society that the purpose of rest is to prepare for work. When, as Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel writes, work exists to prepare us for the Sabbath. The Sabbath, the rhythm of rest in our lives, is to be the pinnacle of our weeks. Heschel writes about the Sabbath. There is a realm of time where the goal is not to have, but to be; not to own, but to give; not to control, but to share; not to subdue, but to be in accord. Let me read that one more time. There is a realm of time where the goal is not to have, but to be; not to own but to give, not to control, but to share, not to subdue, but to be in accord. How often are you in that realm of time? Traditionally, Sabbath is a full day, sundown to sundown, and for many of us, the notion of taking that much time off feels impossible even after we were all shut up in our houses for so long we're already pushing to fill our calendars to make up or keep up with some illusion about productivity during this time of crippling stress jesus says eat rest fuel your bodies with goodness take time to truly rest not sleep sleeping enough is just like a thing that our bodies need shouldn't be a luxury Rest is the opposite of work. Maybe it's five minutes a day as you're waiting for your coffee to cool down in the morning. Maybe it's an evening walk with your loved ones to enjoy sunset. Maybe it's dedicating time to a creative outlet where you and God can play, eat, and rest. It might not feel like it, but rest is resistance rest is defiant in our culture just as it was in jesus's time as the nap ministry says rest is a meticulous love practice practice daily and yes the nap ministry is real do yourself a favor and find them on social media they're great rest is a meticulous love practice practice daily Now, if there's one thing a good preacher knows, it's to be really careful when we compare ourselves to Jesus. But I feel pretty comfortable in this circumstance making that comparison because I'm decidedly not Jesus. A few months ago, I woke up, brushed my teeth, was getting ready, and my palms were itchy. I didn't think anything of it until later that day when I started getting hives down my wrists my body started talking loud enough again for me to notice. I hadn't been doing the things that I know to be restful. I hadn't been taking Sabbath the way that I know that I need to. So as I mentioned before, I'm a new mom, so the rhythms of rest in my life have been decidedly offbeat. I used to have daily, weekly, quarterly, and yearly cycles of Sabbath that I hadn't done in months. And my body reminded me of it. So what I do now, what I'm working on, what I'm figuring out now, doesn't look like what it did before I have kids. But it is still good, and it is still God, to find the ways that your soul, that God is calling you to rest. I don't know the specific stress in your life, though I'd be honored to sit with you and hear your story. What I do know is there is a God who wired us to find ways to refresh and restore our system, giving us the lived example of Jesus Christ. What I do know is that church, particularly worship, should affirm that we are safe and that we're loved. From singing to praying to reading scripture to communion, all of this is a reminder of who and whose we are. We are safe here. We are loved here. I pray that this community of Christ City is a place that creates space for you to feel safe and loved and connected to the divine. Just listening to the worship meeting beforehand and how you all care for each other, I think God is up to something here. So I pray that this hour of worship is just one piece of the way that you care for your soul. And this week in particular, I pray that you let Sabbath find you because as the ending of the passage of Mark's gospel shows, there is always another village, there is always another crowd, there is always more work to do. But there can and always will be more room for Sabbath. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, Meet us in the stillness. Meet us in the rest. God, I don't know the ways that stress is showing up in the lives of your beloved in these pews, but you do. I ask that you descend your Holy Spirit on them and give them a balm of comfort. Give them sacred breaths to remind them of who and whose they are. God, we give you thanks for the story of Jesus, for the stories of the ways that he changed lives. But right now, I give you thanks for the ways that Jesus modeled the importance of rest. May we find sacredness in the stillness and the playfulness of your spirit. It's in your son's holy and precious name that we pray. Amen.